Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I am very pleased to have as my guest, Jason Downing. And let me tell you a little bit about Jason. Jason is a former Marine Corps captain and combat veteran with multiple overseas deployments. He holds multiple graduate degrees with honors and has worked as a college professor and business consultant. His new book, Reawakening the Warrior Spirit, Spirit, Exploring What It Means to Be a war, Warrior, <laughs> easy for me to say, in the modern West, engages some of the most challenging topics of the day from the unique perspective of the military warrior mindset. And so we chose today as our theme, The Heroic Journey. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Jason Downing. Well, thanks for having me, Vicki. It's great to be here. You're very welcome. And so we always start with an easy question, and that is, where do you call home? Where do you live? I'm based out of San Diego, California oh, right now. I love San Diego. Have you been? Love it. Oh, yeah. I worked for UPS and uh, launched the UPS store. And so MBE, okay. which is the parent changed their name to the UPS store, but they're okay. out of San Diego area. So I spent um, two years uh, every week, uh, except for the weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> it was uh, a great place to be great people there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great place. It's hard to leave. I've traveled all over the country and really enjoyed it. But somehow I always end up back here on the West Coast. So yeah, yeah, it's just, except for when those fires come, that wasn't so much fun. <laughs> I've been through two forest fires since uh, since I, I was born and raised out here. So uh, I remember sitting on the roof of my house growing up and we looked, we, we were encircled by mountains and we looked and we could see like a 360 degree view. We could see fire all around, all around yeah. us and we were, you know, uh, preparing to evacuate just, you know, on a moment's notice. So yeah, it, it can be a little scary. Yeah, I remember going to church one morning there and they had the doors open because it was, you know, not cold enough mm -hmm. um, or warm enough for air conditioning. And uh, there were these flakes that kept on, like it was snowing yes. in the church and it yep. was ash. Yep. <laughs> I was like, okay, should yep. I be concerned? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's just get into this, the heroic journey. And, you know, in my podcast, I always talk about the journey and um, how important it is to be present. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times when we think of leadership, 
we and and heroes we tend to think in the military and things like that but there's mm. just everyday heroes everywhere as we turn and we look absolutely but uh, so let's talk about what is the problem of the modern day ronin so that was a concept that I came across after after I got out of military service, and it was one yeah. that really rang true for me at the time. So the idea of the Ronin comes from Japanese um, warrior culture, the samurai culture. Mm -hmm. Now, samurais are some of the most feared and some of the most respected warriors throughout all of history. They've, yeah. you know, even though they only ever represented a very small percentage of the Japanese population, nobody would argue that they fundamentally reshaped that culture. And indeed, their presence are felt worldwide. They mm -hmm. were trained for, as warriors from the age of five in yeah. swordsmanship and martial arts and military strategy, and also in warrior virtues, things like strength, power, the service mindset, telling the truth. You don't ever want to accuse a samurai of speaking a falsehood. That was mm -hmm. considered a besmirch on their honor. So this is who they are. This is the people that we're talking about. And they were trained from a very young age to serve their master. And what the Ronin was, was in some unfortunate circumstances, the master of one of these samurai would die. Mm. And so without that, the purpose of that samurai's life was now like was empty, was yeah, there, there right. was no purpose for that for that warrior and so you have some of the most feared warriors in history some of the best trained and they're essentially without purpose you know mm -hmm. the word ronin in japanese is written with two characters the word um, the symbol for floating and the symbol for man so a floating man a, a yeah. person adrift without purpose in their life oh, wow and so I was reading about this. And, and so as a result, from a social level, what happened was that these individuals who were without purpose, they tended to react in one of two ways. One of them was disconnection. They would disconnect completely from society. They had no purpose left. The ultimate mm -hmm. disconnection, obviously, being suicide. Some would commit right. suicide because they couldn't bear to, to live that kind of life anymore. Um, the other was that they would pretty much go kind of the opposite extreme and they would essentially join whatever warlord raised the battle flag and said, come join us. You know, we need conscripts. We need warriors. So they would just go and fight for whoever was bringing up trouble at the time. Right. <laughs> they got into thievery. They got into banditry. And so after I got out of the military service, the, some of the feelings of this purposelessness, this mm -hmm. adriftness um, really rang true for me. I didn't anticipate before I got out of the service how exactly I would feel and how big of an impact it would have on me. But, you know, for five years of my life, I had a mission statement every single day. I knew what I was doing and I knew that what I was doing mattered and that it would affect the lives of people around me and and my Marines who were looking up to me. And then just kind of like that, almost overnight, it's all removed and you have to figure out for yourself, what is the purpose of my life? Um, what is something that's going to get me up in the morning? And mm -hmm. what is it that drives me? And that's not an easy question. You would think it would be, but it's not an easy question, especially when you come from a mentality of wanting to serve and wanting to better the lives of others. Mm -hmm. And so at first came across that story, the modern day Ronin, it just applied to me. 
But then as I started to look around at some of my fellow veterans, and then also as I took on, as you mentioned, I was, I've been a professor, you know, as I took on teaching roles and was teaching, you know, these young 18 to 20 year olds, I noticed almost the same exact thing happening in the youth where they have all this potential, all this intellect, this desire to go out and do something, but they just seem lost in a drift and not really sure where, where they should go. And mm -hmm. I attribute that a lot to, um, as I describe in the book, this, this collapse or this, you know, going to sleep of the, the warrior spirit in our culture. And so that's the problem I'm trying to solve essentially in the book is trying to reinvigorate, reawaken, mm -hmm. uh, find again that warrior spirit and what it means to uh, go through life with purpose and dignity and honor. It's interesting. As you were talking about that, I, I'm retired and um, mm. obviously my retirement doesn't look like <laughs> most people's, but I found early in my career, a lot of folks that retired, especially those that um, had been at one company for many, many years, mm -hmm. they were without purpose. And mm. a lot of times they didn't last long. Yeah, It, it was uh, failing health and things like that. Because And I truly believe it's because mm. their life did not have purpose any longer right. and they didn't seek to change that. You know, everybody mm. thought, well, you know, mm -hmm. you retired and you're supposed to just stay home and watch TV or golf or whatever. Right, right. But if all your life you had been that manager, that leader, that person, mm -hmm. problem solver, and you didn't have anything worse than figuring out what to eat or, mm -hmm. or you know. Yeah, it's a it is a struggle for many. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I know I worked uh, for a very brief period of time. I worked at a golf course, a local golf course after getting out of the military. I kind of bounced around trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And some of the people who worked with me, one in particular, um, she had worked at a, um, um, a correctional facility. Um, so mm -hmm. she was one of the officers that worked there and I talked to her a little bit um, because it's kind of hard to get information. She was kind of a quieter person and she opened up a little bit and said, you know, correctional officers after you come out of this uh, and, and retire don't have a long life expectancy actually uh, because of what they have to deal with. And then you're just completely in a different world. It's like, kind of like when you, when you go in those prison walls, it's like being at war because mm -hmm. you have to constantly watch your back. It's just a completely different environment, a completely yeah. different social expectation. And when you exit, if you don't have a good plan for how, what you're going to do with your life afterwards, kind of like you were saying with retirement, it's, it can just work devastating effects on people's mental health. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Having purpose is, is really something that we all should strive for. And it's okay for your purpose to change as you evolve, Absolutely. as you grow. Right. Right. And that's one of the things that, you know, um, on a personal level, my uh, son was just born, my, fir uh, my first child. And Congratulations. So he's now <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so he's three months old. And oh, to my gosh. Yeah, very fresh, very fresh. Um, but to feel the deepening of purpose once you have a, a kid yeah. um, is incredible. 
And it's one of the things that my wife and I have talked about is how do we create even like a, a multi-generational family going forwards, obviously looking a ways out into the future, um, you know, for ourselves before we're grandparents, but even in the present, we want, um, you know, our parents to be as involved as possible mm-hmm. um, in Jackson's life, because I think that as you transition into the next phase of life, whether that be retirement or whatever, one of the ways people often do find purpose is in the younger generation. And it's kind of one thing that, you know, I've traveled to a lot of different places, a lot of different countries have been fortunate. Other cultures seem to understand this a lot better than we do here in Mm -hmm. America. Um, And uh, I just think it's one of those unfortunate things that we've lost. So I think that Mm -hmm. it's worthwhile to bring back. For me, I grew up very fortunate that my dad's mom and dad lived just a few blocks away mm-hmm. and my mom's lived about 10 minutes away and on a farm. And so mm-hmm. I saw them all the time and uh-huh. I actually went to help clean my grandmother's house with my sister every Saturday. And we had a routine that we went through and she told us stories and about her life and, and mm-hmm. as we were doing the housework and then having a little tea party or whatever after with her. And then with my other grandmother, it was just a total fun because all my cousins would come up and w- every Sunday we would have mm. this family dinner with 30 people. And that oh, wow. was what I thought everyone did. And, yeah. <laughs> and so um, here now as a grandma, I'm a Oma, uh, I have two grandsons and while I don't do all the traditions that I did, I do make Mm -hmm. sure that they understand, you know, how we're connected. And, and Mm -hmm. I just, it is my favorite, favorite role in life is being their grandmother. And so. From what I hear, it's great because you get all the advantages of parenthood, but without all the responsibility, you just, you know, it's. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny, my, um, my, my daughters, uh, their my husband's mother lived close to us. We moved from Pittsburgh to Georgia when uh, before they were born, and so my mm-hmm. parents were in Pittsburgh, and they saw my parents twice a year. And um, you would have thought that they saw them every day because mm-hmm. my parents were that kind of opening arms. Mm-hmm. I miss you, kind of everything about it. My mother-in-law was not that way in terms of she was thinking that she needed to be the disciplinarian and things like that. And so Mm. my kids didn't always like to go and visit with her because they were afraid that she was going to, you know, try to have them do something they didn't want to do. And I thought it was such a shame. And it wasn't until they got older that she got it, that she realized Mm. that, Mm. you know, it's not my role to be their mom or dad. It's my sure. role to love these kids unconditionally. And um, mm-hmm. so I make sure my kids, uh, my grandsons know how much I love <laughs> it. The best thing in the world is when they see me across the room and yell my name and run yeah. into my arms. And that, mm. you cannot buy that happiness. You could just right. not. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, agree. I agree completely. So what do you say that the Western culture or why do you say the western culture is experiencing this culture war what from your findings did you discover 
Yeah. So, I mean, the started the I started the writing back in 2020. And as we'll all remember, something big was happening in 2020. (laughs) And we all felt a strain. And it was it was just seemed like it was coming from everywhere, from the media, from social media, from government, from politics, from workplaces. It was just this strain that and, and you had people taking sides. You had a lot of tribalism emerging. And we really felt like this strain, kind of like the country being pulled apart or yeah. culture being pulled apart. And I wanted to know what's going on here. And um, coming from a background in the military, I looked around and kind of especially looking at the younger generation. I was confused. It was like a lot of the traditional values. There was just a radical rejection of a lot of traditional values where instead of, um, you know, instead of stories of heroism and strength, we were hearing lots of tales of victimhood instead of focusing Mm. on achievement. uh, You know, we were focusing on virtue signaling instead of Mm. asking questions like, um, how can I serve others or how can I be a benefit to others? People are asking with entitlement, what am I owed? And it was just this radical reversal of, of priorities. And so I wanted to address that and dig into it. And what I ended up finding is that as the warrior spirit has, which I define the warrior spirit as that spirit, which enables you and empowers you to confront the opportunities and challenges that you face in life honorably. Mm. And so as that's waned in, in, I think the the modern generation, we've seen kind of these two polar ideas um, show up, which have been, um, really destructive one of them i I call toxic individualism and the Mm. other one i call corrupted tribalism um so and these are like the two options that i think are presented to especially the younger generation but increasingly people across the board um one is that you're either an individual you kind of take that that ronin the modern day ronin um path of disconnection disconnecting from others disconnecting Mm -hmm. from social responsibility disconnecting from anything except your own selfish ambitions um, and vain pursuits for yourself. So it's, it's, it's not an enlightened self-interest, which we might mm-hmm. think of like as um, of like an Ayn Rand individualism where it's individualism bounded in, in a sort of um, like moral structure that you create for yourself, where you're following something and you're benefiting society while also benefiting yourself. It's this, individualism that's completely hedonistic and divorced from any sort of social responsibility. And I'll say that that is one of the first things that's beaten out of you when you're in training in the military. (laughs) You learn that you're no longer an individual. You have responsibility over yourself. That's absolutely true. So it's not that you deny your individuality, but you take that individual responsibility and you expand it such that you realize that you are responsible for so much more than just yourself. Right. You're also responsible for the lives of the the men and women that are in your team. So this mm-hmm. is, it's this enlightened self-interest where if I want to benefit myself in the short term and in the long term, I need to take into consideration, not just myself, but also those around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's toxic individualism the corrupted tribalism piece i mean and we see this all over the place we see it in politics we see it um in social media circles it's the the tendency for people to only associate with those that they agree with and maybe increasingly people who look like they do talk like they do think like they do 
And in a lot of the political debates, not the, not, the book's not primarily political, but it just seems like everything's been politicized nowadays. It seems like this increasingly focuses around identity, identity groups mm-hmm. um, to where the presupposition is that the individual is nothing more than a collection of identity groups to which they belong. So you are essentially made Mm -hmm. into an avatar of whatever groups that you belong to, um, which seems um, particularly divisive and just like a bad idea to to promulgate amongst especially young people that that we're, we're defined by what groups we belong to at birth instead of the choices we decide to make as we grow older. It's a rejection of Martin Luther King's idea that um, that we should be judged based on the content of our character rather than the color of our skin, for example. So these are the two mm. groups that I see as, as kind of taking sides in this culture war and pulling things apart. And you, you see uh, that in the gangs that are... Yes, across the the U.S. Mm-hmm. at least, um, and and it always seemed to me like the lack of community mm-hmm. in or family structure mm-hmm. causes them to seek this mm. other community yes. that again ha- like minded and and right. whatnot. But it is always uh, it it's lacking, I guess, for the good, you know, or. Mm-hmm the um the things that we need to really have a, a fruitful society mm-hmm. yeah well and that's one of the things that i discuss in my chapter um so the book involves uh, a discussion of um the four primary warrior virtues that i see to have become particularly problematic in our modern culture uh, the, it starts off with the idea of service and the mm-hmm. servant leader mentality um, which is one of the first things you learn in military training and it goes into the idea of truth what does it mean to live truthfully and live with honest living then it goes into two two virtues i discuss at the same time strength and power mm-hmm. and i see them as interrelated um and then it ends with a discussion of fortitude and what does it mean to live a life full of fortitude, especially when you're um, faced with challenging obstacles and opportunities in your lifetime? Because those are going to come. The storms are going to come. It's not mm-hmm. if, it's when. So to your point, when you know, when talking about the idea of these, you know, gangs or um, you know, even like you know, terror groups that um, mm-hmm. have their own sophisticated codes of loyalty and their own systems of honor. Uh, that's one of the things I actually discuss in my chapter on service and I'm trying to piece apart what does it mean to live a life full of honorable service as opposed to some of these shadowy forms that it can sometimes take when we seek to find belonging in um, groups that are um, not oriented up, but are said oriented downwards. And one of the, one of the, uh, stories I actually tell is a story about um, one of the New York mobsters um, back in the 80s and his own experience in realizing he ended up leaving the mob and establishing a life on his own. And he's one of the few who were able to do that and, and not be killed. And he said that one of the turning points for him was when he, um, 
it's a long story, but essentially his father, who was also part of the mob, sold him out and was willing for his own son to die if it meant that the good of the family, you know, yeah. the, the mob family would continue on. And so he just, and he documents as he said, when I realized that this, you know, quote unquote family that I was a part of was able to separate father and son, I said, what do we even have at the end of the day yeah. if we don't have, you know, the connection between a father and a son? So, yeah, I, I completely agree that this, this corrupted idea of, of service that is like kind of uh, found itself into different aspects of our, of our society, it's one that we need to combat. And I think one of the best ways to do that is by having a healthy family structure at home. Yeah, very true. And and in our busy lives, it um, sometimes is challenging yeah. for people. I think one of the things that um, that the pandemic did bring for some families is mm -hmm. that forced family uh, togetherness mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how people allow them or how people were able to make that work and mm -hmm. see the value and, and the, the benefit from it, as opposed mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, I, I've had people that were overwhelmed, you know, I, mm -hmm. I'm a mother, I'm a cleaner, I'm a cook, I'm a, mm -hmm. you know, teacher, all mm -hmm. these things. And they were just so overwhelmed that they, couldn't even see the value of, oh my goodness, I have time with my family mm. now, as opposed yeah. to, I only see them for a few minutes mm. to make dinner and then put them to bed. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's one of those things, you know, in the West, we live to work and instead of working to live a lot of mm. times, and it's yeah. unfortunate that that is the the mentality and yeah i think that for a lot of people that like you said the pandemic was a bit of a wake-up call and realizing just um where priorities are and where they should be yeah for individuals and also companies to how yes. can they structure differently to be able mm -hmm. to change that because when you change the quality of the individual's life mm -hmm. They, you change the quality of the work that they bring. And, yes. um, you know, it, it makes that person more loyal to the company and mm -hmm. and will help your bottom line in the long run. But if you work them to the bone and <laughs> you're not going to get all the things you could out of that person if they even stay. Right. Yeah, so one of the interesting things that's that um, I've been navigating in my own employment right now is that I work remotely, and so the company I work for is actually based out of Atlanta, and I'm here in San Diego. So obviously, that's you know huge advantage for me that I'm able to have that. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't forced to relocate, um, and because I work at home, I'm able to spend time with my three month old. I'm able to you know have time with the family. I'm able to. Um, in many cases, kind of set up my schedule, how it would be optimized for myself, even though I'm kind of, I live on the West Coast, but I work on East Coast time. So that's a bit of a challenge. Um, but so those are all the advantages to working remotely. The major disadvantage is it's just so hard to be a part of a company culture and to establish mm -hmm. any sort of 
culture or collective sense of like this group purpose when mm -hmm. you have your employees are scattered literally around the world. We have a couple of employees who work out of Colombia or, um, you know, other countries and it's nearly impossible. It's just not the same communicating over, over zoom or over Skype as it is showing up to the workplace every day and, and having that, that collective sense of purpose. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's a particularly interesting leadership challenge, I would say too, um, trying to maintain a sense of cohesion when people are scattered all over the, um, the world and in some cases. Yeah, I often have discussions about that very topic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that one of the areas that often are cut in budget is training. And, mm -hmm. and we really can't expect a person who to go from operational or transactional kind of a uh, job to a leadership job and know mm -hmm. how to do it well in this Right. environment where you really mm -hmm. have to, t t you have to put out a lot of effort to mm -hmm. create those atmospheres of the water cooler or the meeting mm -hmm. in the lunchroom and things like that, mm -hmm. where you're, you're just building relationships. You're not really right. Every conversation is not necessarily about what your project is or what your duty is. Mm -hmm. It's just to get to know that person, to get to know about your three month old and and you know life as a new dad yeah. and things like that right. that's important right. for you to be able to establish and mm -hmm. and that takes work and and not all the managers male or female are, are ready or equipped to do that because mm. their their examples maybe uh -huh. uh, never taught them that or they they're not mm. in a, a everyone is all remote and they, they don't know right. what they don't know. Yeah. Well, and a couple of thoughts there, as you were talking, one is that there's a difference between a manager and a leader, right? <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I would say a manager oversees and inspects, whereas a leader inspires mm -hmm. and the leader is the visionary. The manager is the person who, I know, uh, can correct and and uh, and it and can hold the um, the system in place, but oftentimes isn't the one who's um, generating new systems mm -hmm. or generating the vision for moving forward. And a successful uh, company will have both leaders and managers, or will have somebody who can lead and manage. But I would, but a lot of times you're just left with you know managers. the dreaded middle managers. <laughs> Um, yeah. who do nothing except set meetings and um, and like to hear themselves talk as opposed to actually creating yeah. a positive movement forward and inspiring uh, their subordinates. So yeah. and I, I would say that that problem is just exacerbated with um, with the online and the remote working, which and mm -hmm. again, I'm, a, I'm you know one of the people who takes advantage of re remote work. so I, I, I there's a part of me that really loves it, um, but there's no getting around the fact that it's just a particularly difficult leadership challenge. Yeah, but it's one we have to figure out. <laughs> it is, it is. I, I don't think yeah. we're going to go back to the way it was. No, I mean, things have been changed forever. And I do think that one of the things that as, as technology continues to evolve so rapidly, I think that we're going to continue to see new ways to interface with each other and 
better and better ways um such that maybe it will be more more um uh, managers will be more empowered to be able to become leaders and that there'll mm-hmm. be more of a sense of community um even despite the distance mm-hmm. um so you know that's that's the hope i think that's one of the good things that we can say has come about from technology and so you know i'm looking forward to that um but i would also say there's just also no substitute to like you said like going out on the golf course with somebody or you know going and sharing a beer with somebody it's just it's hard to replace that sometimes yeah i was on a project um as a contractor and they <clears throat> most of the people were all all around um, mm-hmm. but a lot of them were based in jersey and so um i kept on waiting for them to say you know we we'll fly you up you know they would have mm-hmm. group dinners or group outings mm-hmm. for the people that were local mm-hmm. and but they never said hey we'll fly you up so that you can be mm-hmm. part of that you know just once or twice mm-hmm. i never right. met my mm-hmm. direct manager in hmm. the year and a half that I was on that project. That's rough. <laughs> and no, that's, that is one that's thing I'll just say, not the way it should be. No, no. I, I will say that this company I work for right now, they've flown me out to Atlanta twice now. So um, at least once or twice a year, try to make it out there and uh, just be able to you know, work even in the office with everybody just so that we kind of have, we know at least what each other looks like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can, you know. Other than it in Zoom. Oh, wait, you're that right. tall? Oh. <laughs> that is one of the weird things when you meet somebody and they're standing up and you're standing up, and you're like, oh, you're that? Okay, oh. yeah. <laughs> Everybody looks the same size on Zoom. I know, we do, we do. Well, time has flown by. It's been really wonderful chatting with you about the heroic journey. And, you know, there are challenges that we have, but um, I think if more people like you are bringing it to light, you know, maybe we can, we can find that, that uh, change that's necessary. Mm. So it's going to be time now for me to share my screen. It is for those that are just listening at your reminder that you should get a paper and pencil to write down the website information, but everything is available on my YouTube channel and as well as my findyourleadershipconfidence.com. So the website is the warrior journal.com and he can be found on instagram j jason m downing that's j-a-y-s-o-n m like mary downing you can see those that are watching the picture of his book reawakening the warrior spirit so that you can go ahead and quickly identify that as you go to uh purchase it hopefully but i'll let jason talk to you more about what you can find on the website and um, how you can purchase his book so the book is available for purchase primarily on Amazon. So just go type, go to Amazon, type in Reawakening the Warrior Spirit. It's the first one that comes up. Um, on my website, I have several blog articles. I have a little bit about myself on there. I have a link to where you can buy the book. I also have a opportunity for you to sign up for a newsletter. And when you do, it'll also email you a free warrior morning routine that I've put together for myself and for um, a few of the people that I know. And it's just a way to get your morning started off right. Uh, awesome. And actually, little uh, 
little hint hints in order to have a good morning it starts the night before so talk i mean like put down your cell phone turn off the tv and uh do that a couple hours before you go to bed in order to get yourself some proper sleep and then wake up and really be able to have a great morning to so you can seize the day awesome well jason i have enjoyed very much having a conversation with you um you you have a great um, background, and I definitely want to check out your book. I think that mm -hmm. it should be a great read. And as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey, and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Netling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.